Some things are older than science, older than God. The earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. <laughs> Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. This land belonged to Avertach. He drained people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough. I saw something weird. Please fuck stuff. Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire on my safe! This isn't Dracula. People don't get turned from a fucking bite. They get turned by the stones from Avertak's grave. We need better weapons. Are there any ideas in there? What about sunlight? I mean, that is the number one vampire killer. Burn, you bastard. If Abertag binges all night, the whole town's gonna be dead as fuck. I'm going to the wrong fucking town now. Oh, come on, like, what are we supposed to do about this? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. How are you doing, Venom? Greetings and salutations, bloodsuckers. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Mike. How are you doing? It's going well, very well. Um, not much new to report in life. Uh, the A's are doing well, so I guess that's my update. <laughs> the update, no one needed. Yeah, no one wants. I mean, even if you're a baseball fan, it's only April, so yep. it doesn't mean a whole lot yet. <laughs> also joining us, as always, it's Don and Ellie. How are you doing, Don? Yeah, doing uh, pretty good. Um, trying to figure out why the Dodgers can't hit for shit, but <laughs> since uh, we're both giving baseball updates, but yeah, no, not doing too bad otherwise. Who? All right, well, today we are covering a movie that is streaming on Shudder right now. I believe they're labeling it a Shudder exclusive, which is the correct way to label it, not a Shudder original, which sometimes they do. So kudos for, I guess, uh, getting it right this time. And what movie is that? That would be The Boys from County Hell. Hour and 28 minutes, listed as a comedy horror out of the UK. Synopsis is as follows. A crew of hardy road workers led by a bickering father and son must survive the night when they accidentally awaken an ancient Irish vampire. So let's get our general thoughts on the boys from County Hell. Venom, you're up first. What did you think of this one? Uh, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, for the most part, I had a pretty good time with this one. Um, this one, you know, much like a couple of weeks ago with um, Witness Infection, uh, the comedy actually worked for me a lot of it. Um, obviously, you know, this is an Irish-UK production, so the F-bomb is dropped about 30 million times, so... Uh, always be prepared for that. Um, I think the practical effects look really nice. I like the, the creature design on our um, monster, if you will. Oh, well, it did say vampire in the... Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so we already know it's a vampire. So, yes. So, um, I like the design on our titular uh, vampire. I like the backstory. And I really, really enjoy a lot of the standard vampire tropes that are kind of subverted in this one. Um just for example, like, you know, you don't become a vampire from a bite in this movie. There is another way that these people are turning, which I won't get into until uh, we get into the spoiler section. But, yeah, um, I, I like some of the originality to the movie. Ultimately, the movie's not going to change the world by any stretch. Um, but I do like the way they tie it into Bram, uh, the Bram Stoker story and, you know, how he was inspired by this particular vampire that actually even predates, as I said, uh, Bram Stoker. So, um, yeah, overall, really enjoyed it. Uh, thought it was funny. Uh, I liked all the characters. I mean, there were no insipid characters in this one. Nobody that I really wanted to see die more than anybody else. You know, everybody was fairly likable. Once again, Slacks, I'm talking to you. You see a horror comedy that can be made with a cast of actual likable characters. So, again, just like with Witness Infection, for the most part, all the characters I really enjoyed. Their performances were fine. You know, no no Oscar winners here, but at the same time, nobody really delivering cringy lines by any stretch. Um, really good practical effects. You know, a decent amount of gore. I mean, eh, decent might even be a stretch. Let's say a fair amount. Um, I, I, I usually like to see a little bit more gore in my horror comedies. I think it just adds to kind of the over-the-top factor of a horror comedy. But, you know, we still got an acceptable amount here. So overall, you know, nothing that's going to end up in my top ten, nothing that I'm going to be raving about years from now. But overall, I had a pretty good time with it. Um, not really a whole lot of negative you know, things to say about it, you know, a plot hole here and there, but again, that's expected with a horror comedy, but yeah, overall, uh, I enjoyed this one and I would recommend it. Okay. Uh, let's go on over to Don. What did you think of the voice from County hell? Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I didn't care for this like at all. Like there was very little about this that actually worked. Um, uh, I, I will agree on a few things, though. Um, I do agree on the practical effects. I do like a lot of the gore gags and a lot of the, yeah, uh, you know, the different interactions with the vampires. I think when they're on screen, I actually have a lot of fun with this. Uh, the characters, uh, not as much. Um, they're okay. I'm not gonna, you know, be raving about them to the degree that Venom is, but. Um, other than that, I didn't care for this. Uh, it takes way too long for anything to happen. I don't care about the interactions with the locals. I don't have a lot of real interest in what's going on in the story because half the time I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Some of that was due to the story. Most of that is due to the fucking indecipherable accent because I'm usually actually really good at getting through accents. 
I had no idea what the hell was going on in this one. Um, uh, yeah, just, uh, you know, the vampires aren't on screen a whole lot. When they are, they're interesting, but uh, very, 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 very rarely am I invested in this thing when they're not attacking. So, yeah, this was actually kind of boring for the first 40, 45 minutes until the actual um, uh, investig the you know dig scene where they where they finally come out. Um, I mean, like I said, I I had a hard time figuring out what was going on. Uh, it wasn't really interesting when it was. I'm not actually. I'm really even hard pressed to call this a comedy. Um, there was points in this where I kind of forgot that it was supposed to be funny. So um, yeah. Uh, Bear in mind, I'm bear in mind when I say this. Um, I'm only 40 films in at this point, so it's probably not going to be true. At, you know, maybe at the end of the month, but as it stands, this is actually on my bottom year end of the year end list. I didn't care for this at all. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like I said, you know, I'm only 40 films into the new year, so you know, give me a month and see where I stand. <laughs> and yes, I'm expecting this thing to completely fall off, even by the end of the week. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that's definitely the only yeah. thing that's going to leave a lasting impression. Yeah. Stretch. But yeah, I mean, as it stands right now, this is on the, my worst of the year list. And you know, give me a week, it'll probably be off of it. But yeah, I didn't care for this at all. Hmm. All right, so yeah, I'm probably overall closer to Venom on this one. I did enjoy it. I agree with what he said that you know. It's not going to change the world. I don't know if it's, you know, well, I'll say it's probably not going to be any type of like a top 10 movie, but I had fun with it for what it was. You know, it's it's one of those smaller contained stories, small village, uh, s smaller cast, uh, few locations. Um, the couple points Don brought up, I'll agree with the, the accent thing, but for me, it was more like the, either the first act or maybe even like only like the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, the accents did seem kind of thick. And I actually, at one point uh, reversed out of the stream to see if there was a subtitles option just to throw it on, but there wasn't. So I, you know, I went back in and I don't know what it was. If, if it was my brain just adjusting to the accents as the movie went on, or if, for some reason, like they became self-aware of their accents and tried to like uh, lessen them because it seemed to not be a problem as much as the movie went on for me. So it, it, it's hard to say exactly why that is. Maybe it's just, you know, an in-movie adjustment that I was able to make. But uh, the other point that I would agree with Don is that th this really felt like less of a horror comedy. I mean, there was some you know some dry humor there's a couple things that made me laugh but it didn't feel like the script uh went out of its way to be like you know something like a dale and a tucker or a Shaun of the dead it, no. it, it definitely the comedy didn't feel that heavy in it which is no knock on it i mean it doesn't really matter to me um whether you know it's uh super funny or not i went into the movie pretty much not knowing anything about it at all so i didn't even know ahead of time it was supposed to be or or that it was billed as a horror comedy i literally just saw that when i was looking up uh the synopsis on imdb um 
So take that for what it's worth. I think it's one of those ones where, you know, more people will find maybe more humorous stuff in it, uh, where I found it more straight horror with just a little bit of comedy in it. I mean, that might make it stronger for some people because I know there's a lot of people that, you know, don't like horror or don't like comedy in their horror as much. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, I did like kind of uh, the way they played with the lore of vampires um, and Dracula, I, I guess, if you will. Um, I, you know, as I was watching it, I, I was starting to wonder, I was like, I wonder if, you know, this has to do with any, um, you know, local, uh, cause it's, it's, uh, an Irish vampire Dracula in this. And I wasn't sure if there was any like history be, um, behind the kind of differences in, you know, how, how to kill, how to, you know, or what the curse is exactly, how you can get infected. I wasn't sure if that was actually attached to, like, maybe their local legend version of it, or if it was just purely uh, the guys writing the movie that wanted to do something different. Either way, I thought it was kind of interesting. Like I said, there's, there's never anything uh, bad about doing something different if you can pull it off, and I thought, for the most part, uh, it kept things interesting and and uh, kind of intriguing because you didn't know necessarily know how it was going to play out. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, for general thoughts, I would kind of keep it at that. It wasn't overly gory. There was some blood. I, I kind of wish there was a little bit more, you know, just to pack a little bit more of a punch in that area. But uh, <laughs> there was a couple scenes that with the use of blood kind of turned the stomach a little bit. So I guess, you know, on a lower budget where you're not getting a ton, if you can do that for a couple scenes, that that's, uh, means it's effective in that way. But, uh, you know, overall, I would say uh, maybe a little bit above average uh, for me. So, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. Uh, yeah, just to let you know, Mike, I did actually look up Abertac, and yeah, uh, it actually is a, a true Irish legend. Well, true Irish legend, that's an oxymoron, but yeah, <laughs> it, it does actually come from Irish lore. Uh, the name originated in 1875 in a book called The Origin and History of Irish Names and Places, and in that book they do talk about Abertac, the Irish Vampire. So, yeah, um, I didn't really find a lot about the lore as far as how Abertac, you know, drinks blood or transforms other people, blah, blah, blah. So I, I can only say that I, I can only take what it, what the movie gives us to gives to us with a, a grain of salt, maybe. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, it does look like Abertac uh, comes from Irish lore. Yeah, well, I mean, that's cool, and because it's like, you know, if, if you're going to make a movie from your country of origin, then uh, it's never a bad thing to give it a local flair, you know? Oh, yeah. Or at least, uh, at least for me, you know, I am kind of interested in seeing how different countries interpret, like, mm -hmm. you know, old monsters and show us something that we haven't seen. Or at least, you know, maybe audiences this wide haven't, haven't seen before. So sure, I'm, sure. I'm down with it. Yeah, yeah, I get I, I it, it definitely sounds like I enjoyed it more than anyone else. Um, like I said, it's not, um, you know, an amazing film necessarily, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. I like when filmmakers take chances with their lore, either changing, 
you know, some an established rule for a particular creature. And in this movie, they just change everything. How someone is transformed, how Abertak drinks blood, how to defeat these monsters. I mean, they change everything about it. And I just, I love that. They they call them vampire because they are still blood suckers. But it, it definitely is one of the most removed um, from the traditional um, vampire lore. Uh, vampire film that I've ever seen. Probably the only thing that even comes close would be uh, uh, the um, what was the name of that movie, Mike? That we did the Bloodthirsty trilogy. I, b- I believe it was called The Vampire Doll. Um, mm-hmm. In that movie, yeah. yeah, in that movie, they kind of changed the way that that girl became a vampire. It was more of a curse than actually a bite. And I just I like when filmmakers at least take a chance. It doesn't always work, and I'm not necessarily saying that everything works great in this film. But the mere fact that they did something a little bit different, they stuck the tag vampire on there. But I mean, this thing's more zombie than vampire when you actually see it, both in its appearance and even in like how it attacks its mannerisms, things like that. But still I, for whatever it's worth, I had a decent time with it. I, I guess it's just when I see young people drinking, having a good time, it just puts me in a good mood. It just reminds me of me being, you know, that age in the bar, you know, post high school, maybe either during college or post college, hanging out with your friends, calling each other names. And it just, you know, it puts me in a good mood. You know, I I can't honestly say that anything really made me laugh out loud, per se. Like Mike said, the comedy is not side-splitting by any stretch. And some people, you know, could actually make the uh, argument that it's not a horror comedy. And I probably wouldn't argue with them. Uh, But for me... It absolutely is. I Like I said, I, I did chuckle multiple times. I liked all the characters. Like, literally, there's not a character in this movie I don't like. And, you know, that says a lot to me because modern horror is filled with shitty characters. You know, people that make bad decisions. People that constantly do the wrong thing just to advance the plot. And for whatever it's worth, nobody in this movie was an idiot and nobody was cringeworthy. So I'll give it its props, you know, when I can. Yeah, I'll I'll actually second that about the characters. I found most every character that's likable. There is no, there is no one I really was like tired of on screen or that I actively was rooting for to be killed. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I you know I'm I'm I bring up slacks a lot when we do horror comedies moving forward because that's a that's a horror comedy that's still getting a lot of praise. You know, people in the community seem to love it. But for whatever it's worth, I was a little down on it. And as as I said, it was mainly because of the characterization. And since we reviewed Slacks, we've done two horror comedies where I can't pick out, um, you know, a a cringeworthy character or someone that I just couldn't despise. Or even like their acting performance was so bad that I, I just wanted them off my screen, you know. Um, so maybe that just it warms my heart a little bit more than it should. And I just end up gravitating towards it. You know, mind you, this isn't a movie that I'm going to purchase. This isn't a movie that's going to turn into an annual watch by any stretch of the imagination. All I'm saying is that I spent 90 minutes with it twice. I did watch it twice this weekend. And for whatever it's worth, I enjoyed most of the time I had with it. It was, it was mildly fun. And, you know, ultimately when you watch as many horror films as we do, you know, you try to scrape as much positivity out of it as you can. And that's pretty much all I'm doing at this point. Um, basically, the, the long and the short of it is I didn't hate it. So I kind of like it. 
<laughs> Let's just go with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all that. For sure. Uh, I mean, as the one that actually has it on the bottom of the year list, I can't say much. <laughs> well, I mean, hey, your arguments are valid. It didn't work for you, you know. Um, the comedy didn't work. Uh, the characters didn't work. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I, the characters work. The characters are one of the few things, like I said, that I enjoyed about it. Okay. Cool, I mean, cool. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mean that in the sense that they're funny. It's just, you know, I didn't mind being around them just i wanted more vampire action because i mean oh, it's what yeah it's like what 45 minutes until they actually remove the tombs or something the current yeah i mean the i mean whatever that thing whatever those things yeah, are the current yeah yeah it's like i'll, I'll, I'll explain it when i do my walkthrough because I, I did look up all this stuff because they did use a few terms that i wasn't familiar with <laughs> i mean yeah i mean like i said you know some of it was not knowing what was going on some of it was not knowing the accent, which actually infuriates me because I'm usually really good at it. I hear you. I mean, yeah. I did have the subtitles on when I watched it the second time, just, you know, because I'm usually taking more notes on my second watch, and I just wanted to absolutely make sure I knew, you know, that I was getting the gist of it. There were a couple of things that I actually missed um, on my first watch because I had the subtitles off. I was trying really hard to pay attention and and actually catch everything that they were saying, but they they speak so fast sometimes too that um, I just miss stuff. And even if I rewind it, I'm just like, what the hell did he say? I listened to it three times and I still can't tell. And what's actually funny is that I when I watched this the second time with subtitles on, this movie even confused the subtitles. I don't know. I I, I guess Mike, you said you couldn't find a subtitle track, but. There's multiple times when you're watching the film and the, mm -hmm. the characters will be speaking and they're not purposely speaking gibberish. They're actually speaking lines of dialogue to each other, but the subtitles will say indistinguishable. <laughs> I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, they got the they got the closed captions guy, too. <laughs> so they got all of us for whatever it's worth outside. I mean, outside of Ireland, you're probably not going to get 100 percent of this story on first watch without subtitles. But, you know, I, I guess I still find it charming. You know, uh, the English, Scottish, Irish, you know, the, the UK accents, I, I just find them so charming that, you know, even when they're being assholes, it's mildly entertaining to me. So for whatever it's worth, I'm a little biased and I can admit that. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's say we get into our spoiler section. So this is your final spoiler warning, folks. And... Uh, Going on our little uh, semi walkthrough here. Um, this will be a quickie. I mean, not a whole lot of action. There are some story points that I'll have to go over, which might extend the walkthrough a little bit. But otherwise, it should be fairly quick. So uh, we open up with a scene of an old couple, a man and a woman, uh, watching television in their living room. Suddenly, uh, the wife says that she doesn't feel well and she starts bleeding from the nose, a nosebleed, but this is a very prolific nosebleed. It's not a standard nosebleed. Suddenly the camera pans over to her husband and he's bleeding from his eyes. And once again, it's very, very profuse bleeding. Uh, they basically are both bleeding profusely. Suddenly their front door opens and something walks into their house and the woman screams, and we go to our title card. So, unfortunately, we don't get to see our antagonist quite yet. Um, after the title card, we actually... That was a good... 
That was a good opening, though, I would say. I enjoyed it. I I really did. I mean, you know, again, for whatever it's worth, old people, Irish accent, totally works for me. Um, The blood looked great. I mean, because obviously, like I said, we've all seen nosebleeds, and they're never quite that bad. So Mm. it was Mm. definitely mildly shocking. Yeah, um, I was actually kind of confused. I was like, what the fuck? How did that start? Yeah, especially if you're going into the movie blind and you have no idea what it's about it's like what what's causing this and what does it have to do with obviously someone or something's coming through the front door like mm-hmm. after they're bleeding and it's like huh and then so it's kind of a nice setup because you know obviously something nefarious is going on you're just not sure what the hell it is or how it's related to yeah. them bleeding yeah i mean the execution is great it's just the you know the why like the why was always the thing that got me for the of the film, so. I gotcha. All right, so after our title card, we go through a little bit of a time jump backwards. We go back two months before the events of that evening, and we meet Eugene and William. Eugene and William are just two young, you know, early to mid-20s, you know, average working Irishmen. Um, We see them in a bar, big surprise. (laughs) Um there's a lot of scenes in bars in this movie. Not to make us, not to make any kind of statement, but I mean, Jesus. The thing is, is that this film is is a Irish production. So any kind of, uh, you know, um, stereotype in this movie, I guess it's acceptable because it's created by Irishmen. But so, yeah. and it just they, always just goes to prove that the Family Guy joke from the first season, where they do the plane plane ride to Ireland. And you, you see yeah. the beers strewn across the runway. Uh, so I just, good. I always just think of that joke every time. Oh, more and more, I see of Irish. Irish. But what's funny is everybody's drinking beer out of cans in this movie. I don't think I saw one beer bottle. It's kind of funny. There was a, there was a whiskey bottle, but everybody's drinking uh, beer out of the sixteen ounce tall boys. It's kind yeah. of interesting. That's good. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so like I said, William and Eugene are just two average Irish fellows drinking in a bar. Suddenly two Canadian tourists come into the bar asking if anyone knows anything about the legend of Abertac. Um, our two locals say, yes, of course. Actually, his grave is on uh, my dad's property. I can take you to it right now. Um, you know, so... Basically, Eugene and William, in exchange for a few beers, uh, take these two Canadian tourists to what is called a carn, um, spelled C-A-I-R-N, carn or cairn, depending on how, you know, the pronunciation. And what basically that is, is it's a pile of rocks meant to uh, indicate a landmark or a grave. So basically, if like a, you know, a famous event or something occurred here, somebody might erect one of these. And it's literally a pile of rocks. It's just a tall pyramid shape, you know, probably like maybe five to six feet tall, just rock, a pile of rocks with um, what looks like a fake vampire skull on top of it. It's got like a little skull with horns on it. So kind of an interesting little thing. Looks like it was put there on purpose as a tourist trap. But obviously we find out that's not true soon enough. Um, after Eugene and William take the tourists to the um, to the Carn, uh, um, one of their friends, SP, the initials SP, everyone calls him SP in the film, 
uh, basically just jumps out, you know, from behind the car and scares them, gives the, you know, gives the Canadian tourists a nice scare. They go on their merry way, you know, pissed off as all hell, and our Irish boys just continue drinking and having a good time. Next, we meet Francie. Francie is Eugene's dad. <clears throat> Fran um, Francie runs a construction company that's recently been given the task of building a highway that's going to be running through this town. Uh, by the way, the name of the town is Six, uh, Six, Hill, Six Mile Hill. Excuse me, Six Mile Hill. Um, so basically, the government has decided that they're going to have a, a freeway running through this town. Of course, the locals are upset, but of course, Francie is very happy because he got the construction contract. And he actually asks his son if he wants to be the foreman on the job and run the job himself. Um, Eugene refuses because he knows that the town is very pissed off about this whole thing and that the town already doesn't like um, Eugene and Francie. They're kind of... Um, infamous drunks in the neighborhood, constantly causing causing trouble and altercations, things like that. So, like I said, um, Eugene refuses on those grounds. Later in that day, uh, Eugene finds a skull uh, buried in his basement, um, and this is this is the basement of his mother's family's home. Basically, um, his mother has passed away already before the film starts, and she, in her will, she left Eugene her house, which is a large, you know, farmhouse with a lot of property around it, a shed, um, barn, stuff like that. And basically, while Eugene's cleaning out the shed um, in the lower area, he finds this skull. It's a human skull. It looks like it's been cracked on top. There's like a large segment segment of it um, missing. Um, throughout the film, Eugene asks multiple people, hey, do you think, do you know what this is? Uh, do you think it's old? Do you think anybody would be interested? Like archaeologists, blah, blah, blah. No one seems to be able to help Eugene with it. So um, that plot point kind of goes away for a little, by, a little while, but it will return. So after a night of drinking, William and Eugene uh, decide to go walking through a field to get home. They're taking a shortcut through a field. They're basically... Um, trespassing on someone else's property no, and, and no, uh, nothing ever comes mm -hmm. good of go taking shortcuts in horror movies. Exactly. What's funny too is right Personal before, yeah, right before the, uh, the Canadians leave the bar, one of them, uh, makes a comment about, Oh, uh, uh, steer clear of the Moors or anything, you know, basically referencing American werewolf in London and Eugene yeah, quickly corrects them and says, there's no Moors here, son. <laughs> Yeah, this is Ireland, not uh, the. This is guys. Ireland, boy. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> after um, as they are, as Eugene and William are walking home from drinking through the field, uh, William uh, unfortunately is killed by a wild bull or steer. It looks like um, someone's bull maybe got loose or maybe is uh, incredibly pent up because he basically is just running around this field. He ends up charging William and pretty much pinning William against the carn itself, against the pile of rocks that they just happen to be standing next to. And of course, uh, what do we see? After William dies, we see his blood get sucked into the ground. Like we start to see it pool right at the base of the carn. And then Eugene looks down and notices that the ground is actually like sucking in the blood. You know, it, um, it's disappearing way too fast than it should. So obviously, and they know where they are. Uh, they know that this is supposedly the grave of Abertak. 
Um, so obviously you can kind of see the gears in Eugene's head start to spin, but he doesn't make a big issue of it right away. Obviously his best friend was just killed. So, um, let's see, uh, blah, 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 blah. Eugene finally accepts the highway job due to his money issues. Basically, Eugene is kind of a slacker, loser type, you know, doesn't really have a lot to his name. So he ends up taking the job as the foreman for his father's construction company to do the highway job. Of course, news spreads around the town really fast that he accepted this job. And, you know, already we've got the locals, you know, kind of giving him shit for his decision. Um, th there is a, there is a funeral scene, you know, where William is buried and, and uh, you know, Eugene has a kind of a heart to heart um, with um William's father, you know, William basically tells him at the funeral that he does blame Eugene for the death of his son. Um, I mean, how you can blame Eugene is beyond me, but apparently Eugene was the bad influence on William, of course, which when you're watching the movie, it kind of looks the opposite. But of course, parents are always going to be parents. Um so basically that night on the job, uh Charlie, who is the night watchman, is attacked. Uh, we don't see who or what attacks him. We just see that he is attacked. We see a splash of blood on the window. And Charlie basically disappears from that moment on. Uh, the next morning, um, our, our gang, you know, uh, the whole crew shows up to um, get to work. And uh, they notice that the carn, which they had dropped, that they had broken down the day before, basically uh, to start the construction job, they had to knock over the carn. And um, obviously, Eugene didn't really want to do it. He went, you know, he didn't. But his father was being very adamant that he do it. Nobody else on the crew wanted to do it because they all were aware of the legend. Um, but he went ahead and did it. And then the next morning after Charlie is attacked, the Karn is right back in its erected position, almost like he never moved it. Um, obviously, you know, people start wondering what the hell, you know, is the, is the town messing with us? Uh, is it pranksters? Blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, Charlie reappears and attacks Eugene. Uh, basically, um, you, um, Charlie, the night watchman, tries to bite Eugene in the neck. Uh, Eugene is able to escape that attack. Uh, but then everybody really everybody. This is where some of the comedy kind of comes in. And I know it doesn't really work for everybody, but um, everybody basically thinks Charlie's drunk because he is kind of the town drunk. So he's got that M.O., um, and he's not like when he first shows up, he just looks like he's, you know, not quite a vampire necessarily, but he just looks like he's had a bad night. Like he had a really rough night of drinking and he woke up in a ditch somewhere and he just decided to go into work. Um, but obviously, you know, we know or we, we think we know what happened. And um, Charlie continues to attack people until finally Charlie is impaled on a pole. And when he's impaled on this pole, his heart actually comes out the back of his chest, uh, the, like his back. So basically, he's impaled from the front right through his heart. But instead of going through his heart, it actually pushes it through the back of his um, through his back. So now Vampire Charlie is basically running around with a pole through his chest and his heart completely severed on the end of the pole that went through him. Kind of comical. Um, again, you know, it, it's an acquired comedy. I, I'll, I'll give it that. But I it found was a it cool. Funny. It was a cool sequence, though. 
I mean, loved it. Yeah, way. the way that they, everybody, because everybody basically got on the end of the pole to to stay away, to keep out of Charlie's reach, and they're all doing the whole comedic thing where they're spinning them around. They're trying to figure out how to kill them. Obviously, um, a stake to the heart doesn't seem to do it because his heart is outside of his body. Yet Charlie's still running around. So this is the first of the vampire tropes that's kind of subverted. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, nice job there. Um. So uh, they end up covering Charlie with dirt after they realize that they're just not able to kill him no matter what they do to him. They don't necessarily try a lot. It's not like they try to burn him or decapitate him or anything, but they do try to stab him endlessly, bash him in the head, and he's not staying down. So eventually Claire, who is William's girlfriend, remember William is dead, um, Claire is the one who grabs a... um, you know, one of those big tractors and actually covers Charlie's body with rot, with uh, dirt first. Um, but then Charlie starts to dig his way out of the grave. His hand comes through the ground and that's when they start piling rocks on top of them. And they, that's when they realize, oh, we can actually keep these guys underground if we basically weigh them down. Um, hence the carn in the field. So, um, uh, after that, we see uh, basically during Charlie's attack, he was able to successfully kill one of the road workers. And once Charlie is buried and taken care of, what we see is the blood draining from the uh, worker, much like the old couple in the opening scene. And it's going somewhere like we see the blood draining out of his body through his open wounds. But then the, the blood is like being attracted somewhere. It's going somewhere for some reason. It doesn't look nearly as silly as I'm describing it. It actually looks pretty decent. But yeah, um, basically something is attracting um, the blood from this dead body. Okay, so um, after this, um, after the blood is sucked down, uh, basically they all look to where Appertax's grave is and they see a foot come out of the ground, like literally just bloop, a foot pops out of the ground. That instantly terrifies everybody in our crew, and they all flee to William's parents' house. Um, While at William's parents' house, um, Eugene uh, finds Charlie's bottle in, in, uh, in George's truck. George is William's father. I'm sorry, folks. I know there's a lot of characters here to try to remember, but I'm doing my best here. Um, so like I said, uh, when they flee to William's parents' house, um, basically Eugene finds uh, the bottle that he gave Charlie the night before in George's truck. And when he comes back in to accuse George of, or maybe not accuse George, but ask George, why is this in his truck? This is when George finally reveals the truth. Uh, basically George tells Eugene to go down the hall and to check inside the good room, as they call it. Uh, they call it the good room because it looks like it's their like little chapel inside of their house. There's religious iconography all over. There's Bibles, there's candles, blah, blah, blah. When Eugene approaches the room and opens the door, what does he see? He sees his friend William, very much alive and very much trying to attack him. Uh, Luckily, George erected some um, steel bars over the uh, entrance so they can open the door, but William won't get out. Um, So, yeah, this is our first kind of shot of an actual vampire or someone who was turned into a vampire. Obviously, at this point, we think... Uh, traditional vampire rules apply, but um, 
after that, we get the story of how George, uh, you know, William's mother and father, who actually are coroners, they actually do, uh, they actually run the morgue in the local town. Uh, they actually show them actually doing the post-mortem on their own son, which technically isn't legal, but we'll, you know, we are in Ireland, so maybe in Ireland it's legal, I don't know. Um, but anyway, while they're performing the post-mortem, um, William stands up on the gurney, right on the slab. He just stands right up, and um, luckily he's weak enough, you know, since he just resurrected, he's weak enough that George is able to get him into that side room and trap him in there. So mm-hmm. um, this is where George also reveals that you do not change into a vampire from a bite. A vampire um, biting someone in this movie does absolutely nothing other than kill them. Um, the way that you turn someone into a vampire here is they have to be cut and get some of their own blood on one of the rocks on the Karn. Um, you remember the rock pile that was covering Abernack, uh, Abertack, excuse me. Uh, and you also remember that when the wild bull attacked William, he pinned him to the Abertack. And that's when you remember Eugene saw that blood getting sucked down. So, um, again, kind of interesting. You know, they subverted uh, vampire lore, and I like it. I totally like it. Because this town would have been overrun. If if traditional vampire rules applied, this town would have been overrun in a couple of hours. But since there's really only a couple of vampires running around, um, it seems to be a little bit more, uh, you know, they can deal with it a little bit more. It's not quite Mission Impossible, more, you know, Mission Difficult. So I like that. Let's see. Um, uh, So George admits uh, that he purposely infected Charlie the Night Watchman. George um, is one of the elders in the town. He's one of the older guys in the town, and he knows that the legend of Abertak is real, and he does not want the highway built to, you know, the, the new highway to go through the town because it's going to destroy the Karn, which, of course, will allow it for uh, Abertak to be able to get out of his grave. So George decides to infect Charlie. He basically grabs one of the rocks from Abertak's Karn, and he basically knocks out Charlie and cuts him um, down his arm with one of the rocks. So basically that's how you're getting the vampire infection in this movie. Again, not bad, you know, something different. It's it's different whether you like it or not. At least you have to admit it's not the same old thing. So Yeah, and they really follow through with it too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, so so like I said, uh George infected Charlie with the intention of Charlie attacking people on the construction crew which would bring the construction down and they would have to not build the highway. Obviously, George didn't figure that the crew would be able to subdue Charlie with minimal losses and, you know, somehow trace it back to George. What they decide, uh, George obviously doesn't know what to do with William. Um, William is now a vampire. He doesn't want to feed him, you know, innocent victims, but he also can't really bring himself to kill his son either. So what they decide to do is they decide to build a trap after a lot of... um, discussion and convincing George finally agrees okay we'll kill him we'll kill William just to put him out of his misery what they end up doing is they end up lining the hallway between the room that William is trapped in and a room down the hall 
They basically lined the walls with like chain link and, and wooden boards, basically forcing William to go down the hall and not to go into any of the bedrooms. And what they're going to do is George is waiting at the end of the hall with an axe in his hands where he's going to basically attempt to decapitate William in the hopes that it might kill him. Um, they go ahead and release William. Um, he does go ahead and go down the hall as planned. But then right before William, Vampire William, goes through the, the door, he kind of realizes that it's a trap because he sees everybody in the room kind of waiting for him to come in. So he's basically a few feet from the entrance of the room, just kind of looking inside. Um, and they're trying to figure out a way to lure him in. William starts calling, uh, excuse me, not William, uh, Eugene starts calling vampire William names that bothered him in life, um, but it doesn't seem to be working. So finally, Claire, uh, remember Claire, who is William's girlfriend, has an idea. She walks over to Eugene and she starts to hold his hand like they're in a relationship. They're hand in hand. William sees this and instantly just goes crazy and he charges for the entrance of the door. George, as I said, is right past the threshold of the door, holding the axe in the cocked position, ready to swing it at his son. And literally just as William gets to the door, a single shot rings out in the air. George is shot in the arm. When the camera turns around uh, to see who shot George, it's his damn wife. It's William's mother, George's wife, basically shoots George in the arm because she doesn't want him to, quote unquote, kill her baby or hurt her baby, I think is exactly what she said. But she barely has a time. She barely has a chance to even <laughs> get that sentiment out because instantly uh, William attacks his mother, slits her throat and bites her on the neck, um, instantly killing her. And everybody in the room starts freaking out and running out of the house. It's kind of kind of funny. George decides to stay behind and he has a rifle with him and he starts shooting William with it over and over. Finally, he realizes he's not going to be able to kill William uh, with the sh with the gun. So he actually puts the barrel of the rifle into his own mouth. He he basically says, I'm sorry to William and goodbye. But then when he pulls the trigger, he realizes he's out of ammo. And the instant that he re that he realizes that all we get out of him is a single oh shit, and then William attacks and basically kills George. So that's the end of George. Now, man, the, the mom. <laughs> that was probably the one moment in the movie where I was like, oh no, don't yeah, make exactly. that mistake that we've seen many times. So you often see that trope in like zombie movies. Yep. Uh, when someone turns and it's time for them to get put down by getting shot or, you know, a bludgeon to the head and mm -hmm. a family member for whatever reason is like, I can't do it. It's my whatever. And then they are promptly bitten and eaten. Exactly. <laughs> so so we get the same thing here. But for some reason, it's almost comical to me. It shouldn't be funny to watch a vampire kid kill his own mother. But something about the fact that she stopped George from killing him and then William just turns around and kills her. It tickled my funny bone. I'm sorry. I, I, we've already explained I'm a little dark. So. Eh. All right. So at this point in the film, we start to see a montage of everybody in the town. Basically, um, people in their homes, people in the street, people in bars, basically everyone in the town starts bleeding out of some orifice. 
Um, most people are bleeding off, out of the nose. Some people are bleeding out of the eyes. And then we revisit the opening scene. We actually see the opening scene a second time with the old couple. Um, we still don't get a full shot of what attacks them, but now we do see that it's a tall, dark figure with, like, you know, rotted, dark flesh. Um, we see that from behind, and then he attacks the old people, and that's the end of that. Uh, what we see outside, though, is we get a couple of different shots of people getting attacked. Uh, we see a kid who just had neck surgery. Uh, he's just sitting around smoking a joint with his friend. Suddenly his stitches pop, and he starts bleeding profusely from his neck wound where he just had surgery, and he passes out. And basically what we see is all the blood from the town starts coming together. Like it, it's being drawn to the same place. And then that's when we see, finally, uh, Abertak actually drinking blood. Basically, all the blood is getting attracted to, like, a well or something. It's going down into the basement of the shed, of Eugene's mother's shed that we talked about earlier. And we see a shot of him just kind of sitting against a wall, drinking the blood as it drips down into his lair. So, you know, uh, again... They subvert, you know, how these vampires are actually drinking blood, you know. Uh, obviously, the newer vampires, um, we see them drinking blood the same way as always. They kind of bite their necks. But just to see Abertak, you know, this ancient, you know, creature, hundreds of years old, he's able to drink blood from people that are miles away from him. That's fucking impressive. I like that. So, um, at this point, realize, uh, Eugene realizes, because... Up to this point, they're trying to figure out where um, Abertak's lair is. They know where his grave is, but there's not really anything there, you know, at the grave. When they knock down the carn, it's just, you know, dirt under there. There's not like an entrance or anything crazy. But Eugene realizes, um, and rem now we remember the skull from earlier in the film. Eugene realizes that, hey, I found that skull in my basement. Oh, shit, that's Abertak's lair. Um, and lo and behold, it absolutely is. All the all the blood from the town is being drawn to Eugene's mother's family's house, and he is just enjoying his um, takeout meal. Let's see. Um, like I said, uh, we basically see uh, our the remaining members of our crew: Eugene, Francie, Claire. Um, they're kind of going around the town trying to see if they can find loved ones. Um, and what we see is just everybody passed out. There's people in the street passed out. Blood is running from their bodies, you know, down the street. Um, Claire goes to visit, goes to see her family. Her mother and her mother's husband are both in bed, passed out and bleeding profusely from the nose. Yeah, um, so now we're, we're caught up to the uh, scene from the beginning. Exactly. Yep. At this mm -hmm. point, everything's comes together. We're back in present time, at least present time from the cold open. Right. Right. Um, so, like I said, um, Eugene um, starts to realize uh, based on uh, like his family crest uh, that's hanging in his in his mother's house. He starts to realize that the legends of the chieftain that uh, who was the original person to defeat Abertak it actually has the same last name as his mother's maiden name. And he starts to realize, oh, shit, I'm a descendant of the actual person who defeated Abertak. That's why he's buried on my property. Um, and, you know, that's probably why mom never left this house, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? 
but yeah, after Eugene basically makes this realization, um, him and his father, Francie, go back uh, to his mom's house. While they're there, they have an, um, you know, they, they have a couple of set pieces with Abertac chasing them. He's chasing them through the through the uh, property. Then they chase them into the shed. Um, then they find a secret lair underneath the shed, which is basically the entrance to Abertac's uh, lair. Um, they go in there. They're hiding from Abertac. Um, and then during one scene, Francie actually is able to get the upper hand on Abertac, and he actually decapitates him with an axe. Um, Francie says his one-liner, of course, and then he starts to walk away to check up on his son, um, who he knocked out right before that. Um, I guess he figured that Eugene wouldn't have the stones to do what needed to be done, um, so he basically knocked him out and decided to go after Abertac himself. Uh, as I said, he decapitates Abertac, but when he turns around to go check on uh, Eugene, we see in the background the severed head start to roll on its own and start to move and start to inch closer and closer back to the body. And then we actually do see the head reattach itself to Abertac's body. Um, Francie has no idea that this happened, so he goes to walk out of the room and instantly is attacked uh, by Abertac, thrown up against the um, the stairs, or should I say the guardrail for the stairs. Um, Abertac grabs the axe that Francie used on him, and he chops at Francie's leg, uh, basically uh, like the shin area. He chops it to the point that the bone is completely broken, but the leg isn't completely severed, so it's still attached by flesh. And we see this bone sticking out of Francie's uh, uh, shin area. Um, at this point, um, Eugene and Francie find Abertac's hideout, and they're hiding there, waiting for Abertac to come back, because once again, Eugene thinks that sunlight will be able to defeat Abertac. You know, vampire lore says that sunlight is bad for vampires. So we actually get this cool set piece where Eugene hides just inside the entrance of the shed while Abertac is walking towards the shed and we see the sun rising, starting to rise. So, of course, it's, it, it turns into that kind of cat and mouse of is the sun going to rise first or is Abertac going to make it to the shed? And what ends up happening is Abershack gets just before the entrance of the shed and suddenly the sun comes up completely. Well, guess what? It has absolutely no effect on Abershack. Sunlight does nothing to this vampire. Once again, another vampire trope subverted, and I absolutely loved it. And it actually was a cool-looking shot, too, where it went from dark and then the sun comes up and it's shining brightly right on uh, Abertac's face. Uh, yeah. It's actually a pretty decent-looking shot, so kudos there. Um, at this point, uh, Eugene and Francie are trapped in Abertac's lair. They don't know what to do. Abertac is approaching them. Um, Eugene uh, makes the, the comment that he needs a weapon. There's no weapons around. I need something to attack him with. And uh, Francie basically says, well, what about my leg? And literally, yeah, he's implying that Eugene should rip off the rest of his leg and use it as some kind of like a stake. And that's exactly what Eugene does. He basically apologizes to his father, rips the leg the rest of the way off, 
and then impales Avertak right through the heart with the exposed broken bone from his father's shin bone. Um, and what we learned earlier, too, is that staking a vampire does not kill it. Obviously, we learned that from the scene with Charlie, but it's also explained to us later on that, uh, that um, a stake to the heart doesn't kill a vampire, but it does weaken it. Um, Eugene remembers this, so as soon as he stabs Abertak in the heart, he pushes him down into like a little ditch in his basement, and he just starts putting dirt on him, just starts piling dirt on him until there's literally like a pile of dirt on him. Then we see him start grabbing rocks, broken pieces of concrete, anything heavy that he can find in his um, shed, and he creates a brand new carn for Abertak. So yeah. Pretty much moving forward, um, Eugene can probably never sell this house because now he knows that there is an actual vampire uh, under a pile of rocks in his house. So good luck explaining that to the new tenants. After he's done with that, we get uh, a little scene that's th actually three months later. We get another time jump three months later. Um, Claire is leaving. She's going to Australia, which was originally William's dream. Earlier in the movie, we hear William talk about his dream of moving to Australia and getting out of Ireland. Claire decides to do that um, for him um, and for herself as well. Um, so even though William is dead, she decides to go to Australia. Um, she has a heartfelt goodbye with uh, Eugene, and they go their separate ways. One of the cool things I like about this scene is fucking Dream Warriors is playing on the jukebox. Did you guys notice that? I, I fucking love <laughs> that. I don't. It doesn't yeah. even fit the scene, but I just loved it. Ah, <laughs> oh, go Dokken. Even in Ireland, Dokken rocks. <laughs> All right, so we we get our final scene, and it's basically Francie, who now has an artificial leg uh, to replace the one that got ripped off of him, and he's basically helping Eugene fix up his mother's house. I forgot to mention that Eugene's mother's house is all disheveled, and you know it's not really livable, even though Eugene is living there. Um, we see that Francie is now helping Eugene with the house, which is something that Eugene refused to do. Um, for whatever reason, Eugene, uh, excuse me, Francie harbors ill um, feelings towards his mother. They talk about her death. It almost sounds like they're implying it was a suicide, but they don't really, you know, in so many words say it. Um, so anyway, because of that, Francie kind of never wanted to go to that house again. Uh, but now we see that Francie and Eugene's relationship has gotten a lot better uh, Francie is helping Eugene fix up the house, and he even brought uh, Eugene a bucket of rocks, like rocks and more broken concrete that he found around the house. And then the final scene is Eugene taking that bucket of stones and just adding it to the carn, which is now as tall as he is. It's, it's pretty damn tall, um, you know, compared to the size that we saw in the previous scene. Um, and Eugene places the last of the rocks on top of the carn. He kind of just looks at it and shrugs his shoulders and slides the door to the shed shut. And that is Boys from County Hell 2021. Yeah, like I said, it's not going to change the world, this movie, but for whatever it's worth, it was just enjoyable enough for me to enjoy my time with it. Um, honestly, I agree with everything Don said, you know, even though Don didn't have as good a time with it, I mean, his, his, uh, 
His arguments are valid, absolutely. Like I said, this movie's going to resonate with some people. It's not going to resonate with others. Nobody's right or wrong here. It's just some people are going to enjoy this movie more than others. Ultimately, I had a good time. I thought it was well-made, decent cinematography. Absolutely love the score. No one's mentioned the score. Aside from Dream Warriors, there, there's some great like traditional Irish songs played throughout. Um, we might even get a Mighty Mighty Boss Tone song thrown in there. I might be wrong, but I thought I heard one. Um, but yeah, just some great music on the, on the soundtrack and the score. Um, we've already talked about the performances. They all worked for me. I mean, overall, the more I talk about it, the more I like this movie. That's the funny thing is that, uh, you know, um, despite... I think a lot of people are going to be on the same side as Don of just looking at this as a subpar horror comedy. Um, if you even want to call it a horror comedy, but ultimately for whatever it's worth, it worked for me. I'll leave it. Yeah, at I have a, I have a hard time calling it subpar. Like it, it, it might not be like anyone's favorite mm-hmm. or a top movie of the year, but subpar, I, I think that's selling it a little short. Yeah, like I said, it's an acquired. But that's thing. just my, I mean, that's me. Everyone, you know, everyone's gonna have their own opinion on it. But absolutely. <laughs> Anything else, Don? You want to say about it? Uh, I mean, okay. The final half, the final battle with Abertac is a lot better. Listening back to it, um, I wasn't. Maybe I was, you know, jotting notes down or something because I was just glancing up and down doing it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do admit the final battle is a lot of fun. You know. I wasn't necessarily as sold on the, you know, variation on vampire lore as mm-hmm. I was as I was. I mean, it did take a while to get used to it, but yeah, like I said, you know, it's on the bottom of my list only because, you know, I'm at 40 films of the year, so, you know, give me time to pump those numbers up and I'll gladly drop this off the list, but <laughs> yeah, um I mean, I don't outright hate it. It's just, like you said, it's not for me, so. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, nothing um, yeah. nothing that's going to change the world here. Just a, just a silly little movie that's going to work for some people and not others. No biggie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very but definitely true. It, is a, it, is, it is an odd vampire movie. I mean, aside from subverting all the rules, it doesn't feel like a vampire movie. I mean, it, well, it has... N- None of probably the why because because it does subvert all the rules, so it doesn't really feel like a vampire film. No, absolutely, you're right. You're absolutely right. Other than the fact that they call him a vampire, I mean, there's not yeah. really a whole lot there to make it a vampire movie. But I mean, ultimately, you could, uh-huh. I mean, yeah, you, you could have just as easily sold this as just a regular run-of-the-mill creature that just happens to drink human blood. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're totally right. But mm-hmm. I mean, it did come since it came from you know actual Irish lore. I guess they were trying to do you know justice yeah. to the original story from 1875. Blah blah blah. But yeah, ultimately, you know, I found it enjoyable. Uh, you know, it's not it's not great. It's good. I won't even go very good. It's just it's a good movie that I enjoyed, and I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to wrap up our discussion on Boys from County Hell. But before we get out of here, let's find out if anyone else has anything new to share. Venom, what do you got? Um, Not a lot from my regular shows. Um, unfortunately, In the Mic of Madness is still on its official hiatus while Rebecca takes care of her independent film projects. Um, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space is still on a mini hiatus just 
while we try to find a date that works for all four of us. Um, it's not horror, okay. We recently recorded a commentary for the Leslie Nielsen classic, The Naked Gun. Um, if you heard the airplane episode and had a good time, I would strongly suggest the Naked Gun episode because I think we had just as good a time with it. Um, and it was just as fun to watch <laughs> and talk about. So check that out. That's a great That's a great comedy. Uh, classic. Absolute classic. I, I had forgotten how funny it was. That's I mean, I, you know, I've always loved it, but I hadn't watched it in like maybe 10 years, close to 10 years. And wow, I just had forgotten how great it was. So, yeah. Um, check that out on It's Not Horror Okay. On the main show, uh, we still have our Czechoslovakia episode available as our latest one, and we will be getting together very soon um, to discuss uh, Derek's picks on the next episode. Um, what are those again, Mike? Uh, it's Chopping, chopping Mall. Mall. Was it Witchboard, the other one? Witchboard, that's the other one. So we're doing Witchboard and Chopping Mall. I'm sure there's a reason Derek decided to pair these movies, and I'm sure he'll talk about it on that episode when it is recorded. Like I said, it should be recorded soon. Um, should be available, I would say, no more than a week from as you're listening to this episode. So about a week or so, uh, check that out. All those are available on the Dark Discussions Podcast Network except for Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, which is available on the Legion Podcast Network. And speaking of the Legion Podcast Network, uh, this weekend I had uh, the pleasure of um, joining Bo, who is the editor-in-chief with Legion, on their new project called List of Legends. Uh, you may remember Mike talking about that a few weeks ago because Mike made an appearance on the top 20, I believe it was Vampire Movies, Mike? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So top 20 vampire movies. The episode I was on this weekend, we looked at top 20 guilty pleasures. And what's funny is we actually opened up the list for all guilty pleasures, not just horror, but all genres. Um, but guess what? The list still ended up being about 17 horror movies and three non-horror movies. So go figure. Um, that uh, podcast is actually a video podcast, so that's available on YouTube, on the Legion Podcast Network channel. Uh, I believe that's episode four of List of Legends, and like I said, it's my video podcast debut. So if you ever wanted to know what Mr. Venom looks like, check out that episode. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really good. I listened to it uh, a couple – when was it? I think like right when I got back into town – um, from my vacation and you know I, I really appreciate the list because it was like a, it was a good mix of like super obscure stuff but then some stuff that everyone's going to recognize and you know decide for themselves if it's, if it's sure. like a guilty pleasure for them too but so it's it's kind of one of those shows where like it, it will give you some stuff or I would say it would give the casual like horror or movie fan uh movies to write down to to add to the list along with uh familiar stuff that they'll just enjoy being uh talked about yeah exactly um because obviously the term guilty pleasure is a subjective term i mean a movie that i consider a guilty pleasure somebody else might consider a legitimately good movie and you know obviously yeah for the most part I, you know most people look at guilty pleasure movies as films that aren't held in high regard but that you absolutely love as the viewer so oh yeah um, i have i have a like a 
good amount of movies that maybe 10, 15, even maybe 20 years ago, I would have firmly called guilty pleasures, but it seems like the community at large is like warmed up to them. So I, I would almost like feel like a little uh, insecure even labeling them as that anymore. So it's, exactly. it's not always the easiest list to put together. No, not at all. And if you watch the show, my very first pick, I won't say what it is, but my very first pick call, uh, falls into that category mm-hmm. where, you know, it could be considered a guilty pleasure, but a lot of people consider it a legitimately good movie to the point that it has a 6.5 on IMDb, which I was really shocked about. But, you know, it, it, it's one of those movies that over the last 10, 15 years has really garnered a lot of new respect, new fans, people, you know, um, hold it in the slightly higher regard to the point where it affected the score on IMDb. Because I know for a fact I looked up the score on that movie like 10 years ago and it was not that high. I guarantee it wasn't. But obviously, like I said, like Mike said, times change, you know, people's um, their mentality towards movies sometimes will tend to change. And, you know, I mean, we can always think about the bad reviews that John Carpenter's The Thing got. Yet now we consider it one of the greatest horror movies ever made. So there you go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, guilty pleasure, very subjective. But I think we still put together a really good list. I even learned a couple of things. There was like one or two films on the list that I had never even seen. So just like Mike said, it adds to my watch list because now I'm curious to see, you know, why does Jeffrey X. Martin think that this movie is a guilty pleasure? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely well, speaking, opens up a speaking lot. Of him, speaking of him, how, how awesome is it to have him back? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had no idea he was actually podcasting again. I guess his wife, he, he and his wife, started a podcast it's not horror specific but it's just movies um but yeah i mean it was just great to hear you know jeffrey's a great voice you know x martin uh he's a great voice in the community he's a great voice for podcasting um i actually have the distinction of um sitting in his chair on the theme warriors podcast as i took over for him when he um retired from podcasting a couple of years ago but yeah actually getting to work with him for the first time as well as Bo, too. That was the first time I ever worked with Bo. Um, oh. I never had an exchange with Bo before. So, yeah, getting to work with two people I never worked with before. And then, of course, getting to work with Derek um, and Gary Hill, with who I've worked with, of course, plenty of times. Of course, Derek is our co-host on No More Room in Hell. So it was good working with familiar faces and new faces. So, yeah, great little episode. If you can stand looking at our mugs for almost two hours, I recommend the episode. <laughs> sweet yeah all right um was that was that the final one yeah for that's it for me i don't want i don't want to talk anybody else's ear off i'm sure <laughs> half our listeners are asleep already so yeah let's move on <laughs> all right don how about you yeah i got nothing <laughs> well see oh, don uh... knows how to do it <laughs> well no yeah. just the, the fact is i legitimately have nothing new going on so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I pretty much don't have anything either other than what people listening to this show have probably already listened to. It looks like we have um, the next No More Room in Hell, which I'm going to mention. I think it's going to be recording coming up pretty soon. Um, I'm pretty sure. So that'll be coming up, and I think we're locking down our next date for Theme Warriors as well. So uh, new stuff is coming, you know. It'll be uh, in the next week or so that 
Yeah. New I got a funny feeling that a lot out. of podcasts are going to get like postponed because of, you know, the world opening up and people wanting to get the hell out of their house. <laughs> I know yeah. I'm ready for Vegas. I don't know about you. Well, I, I think, too, that, you know, it seems a lot more common these days for podcasts to have bigger casts. Um, and when you when you get, you know, more than two or three people on a show, if you're sticking to like the hard format of like we're not doing it unless everyone can do it, then it opens up, you know, more times for it to get postponed or or whatnot. Just, you know, it not everyone's like still in their like, you know, early mid 20s where you can always be there on demand, you know. Yeah, um, the horror cast definitely seems to do it right because they have mm-hmm. they officially have seven co-hosts, but basically they record every single Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, I forget which day, and then whatever host is available shows up. So like the entire time I was on the show, I don't think all seven of us ever showed up for one episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I've been on some shows throughout the years that had like an ensemble cast and most of the time I showed up like, you know, at least one or two people would be missing. Oh yeah. Which is fine. I mean, that's, I I think that's a perfectly valid way to do it. You know, you cast a bunch of people and that way you don't have to skip episodes necessarily when everyone can't be there. No, absolutely. No, definitely. Uh, There's definitely an advantage to like a two man or a two person podcast. Obviously, you get more time on the mic and blah, blah, blah. But because I remember some of those episodes where like six of us would show up, it it literally we'd record a two hour episode. And I felt like I spoke for like maybe five to ten minutes, you know, with just that many people. Plus, you know, Mark Nato is the host. So he obviously has the bulk of the uh, mic time, blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, it it definitely, there's advantages and disadvantages to all of it, to either having a small cast or a large one. That's why I'm on so many shows. I want to experiment large cast, small cast. I just got to do a solo cast now. See what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, what do you, uh, foresee? Is, Is there something coming out in the theater this Friday? Do you know? I don't think there's anything big. I mean, obviously, in um, the Ben Wheatley movie, um, I still have not seen, unfortunately, because um, I haven't been able to get a convenient screening time. Um, Unfortunately, because of my schedule right now on weekends, I have to see movies early. Um, And that particular movie didn't have any um, early screen times. And I I also don't live close enough to a theater that it would make sense to take, like, an Uber or a Lyft. Because I'm not going to spend 30 bucks to, you know, go see a $10 movie. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. in the earth just didn't work for me for my schedule over the last couple of weeks. But um, I know, I mean, we still, you know, there's Jacob's wife, which I know, you know, some of us weren't real high on, but has been getting a lot of praise for whatever it's worth. Um, and then we've gotten some indie, some more indie stuff that's come out. I think another werewolf movie came out. Um I can't remember what else I knew that I saw, but I don't think we're getting anything in the theater this week. Okay, yeah. Well, if not, then I know um, May 7th, I believe, there's something. Because that's when I'll, as long you know, crossing yeah, my fingers, berry. nothing changes. Yeah. What, what's it? Fried berry. Okay, yeah. That's, I think, yeah, I think that's the one on Shutter. Okay. That's, yeah, and that I mean. That this week? No, the seventh this week or next week. The seventh. Okay. The seventh. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and if um 
if, and then uh, I'm not sure uh, what the release Earth date sticks around, then I'll oh, be able to see around. that I mean, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and even if it doesn't, it'll be on VOD soon enough. Everything's dropping on VOD so much quicker now after its theatrical run for obvious reasons. So um, what was the other thing I was saying? Oh, we still got the history of the occult, too, uh, from uh, what was that from Argentina? Um, I I watched that this weekend. It's an interesting film. It's going to be another one of those acquired tastes. Uh, it might be a little bit too slow for some people. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Obviously, it's in Spanish, but it's basically set around a TV show where the movie actually is in real time. Um, and whenever the TV show is on the air, that's what we're seeing. But whenever the show is in a commercial break, we're seeing these other characters that we're also following throughout the story. And then it just culminates with uh, a pretty cool kind of dark ending Um, The movie is in black and white, but there are scenes in color, and I feel like the way that they utilize that color is absolutely brilliant. But again, like I said, this is going to be another one of those kind of A24 style movies, very slow with just like, you know, most of the action happening in the last few minutes of the film. But for whatever it's worth, I enjoyed it. Um, it even left me a little confused, which is nice. Hmm. Uh, You know, yeah, that's how I was when I watched it. I was confused. Sounds right up Dawn's alley. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, no, I was confused at that one as well, so... Yeah, definitely. Um, But, I mean, the performances were great. I don't want to talk too much about the movie in case we do end up deciding to do it, but... it it, it even actually gets a release. If it even actually gets a release. Because, yeah, this is... It's not even officially released in Argentina yet. It's still... Yeah, it's a a pre-release, absolutely. So, yeah, Yeah. I I wouldn't even know if we could actually record that, because I assume you saw it the same way I did, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah, I mean, I got yeah. So I don't even know if that one would work. Um... No, definitely. I mean, we all know how I feel about Spanish language horror. So, you know, I'm, I, I've got that bias. So it's one of those things that I'll be watching. If it does get an official release, uh, you know, obviously I'll try to talk you guys into doing it. If it doesn't get a like if it doesn't get an official US release, then I guess we could sit on it for a little bit or just move on. It's not uh, I don't want to make the movie sound like it's, you know, world changing by any stretch. I enjoyed it, you know, if you like stuff like WNUF or um Ghostwatch, if you remember Ghostwatch, the UK uh version of WNUF Halloween special, if you like those kind of things, I think you'll like History of the Occult. Um History of the Cult's definitely not as visceral as those other movies. Um, you're not going to really see a lot of, if any, on-screen death. It's definitely more a psychological thing, but for whatever it's worth, I enjoyed it. So we'll see. We'll see if uh, it's something that we can do down the road. All right. Well, uh, to finish out this show, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we are going to experiment with a slightly new format starting in may so uh, it's going to be a little bit of the same a little bit of different so uh if that interests you stick around and check it out coming soon um but with that said we're going to go ahead and get out of here and we will catch you in may so everyone say bye to the listeners later hail Satan. peace Ah!